Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I welcome Melanie McLean to the show. Melanie is a dynamic and accomplished New York-based publishing A&R professional at Secretly Group, which includes big-time independent record labels as well as Secretly Distribution and Secretly Publishing. Prior to joining Secretly in 2019, Melanie was the hip-hop music content specialist at YouTube Music, where she created and optimized more than 100 playlists and assisted the service's artist relations team. In her 10 years in the music industry, she has also held amazing roles as staff writer at Solange's St. Heron, experiential music manager at Budweiser and publicist for G-Eazy. Her past experiences have allowed her to help break international artists like Burner Boy, Megan The Stallion, Tory Lanez and Baby, and more. And Melanie's mission is to uplift the vision of musicians who make boundary pushing and left of center music. I invited her to come on the show to talk about how and why non-fungible tokens or NFTs are a viable option for artists not only to survive, but to thrive, especially independent artists, and about her work to educate and empower historically marginalized artists to explore and excel in monetizing their work in the new economy via NFT creation and sales. I really enjoyed this convo, and I know you will too. Now, before we hop into the app, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share, and comment so that others who would benefit from this content can find it. Okay, it's time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I welcome Melanie McLean to the show. She is a tour de force in the Black creative community with a background in music moguldom. She will tell us about that in a second. She was also recently included in the Billboard Change Agents issue, also known as the Power List. She is a publishing A&R at Secretly Group, and she's making power moves in the NFT creative space as well, helping to educate and empower creatives to win in this new economy. We'll talk about all of that and more, but first, Melanie, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so excited to speak with you. Talked about this with you on the Twitters and also in our kind of pre-conversation, how much I love how you are moving in this space. There's a lot of synergy in what we do because you're so focused on the empowerment piece coupled with the education. And there's so many people talking about the potential and the power of Web3 technologies and blockchain, smart contracts, crypto assets. And obviously, I love that, too. But without a solid foundation on the education piece to really help creatives move powerfully in the space, 
then it's going to be all for nothing. So I wanted to connect with you around those topics and chop it up a little bit to help anybody who's listening to be better than they found us today. I know that (laughs) that is definitely going to happen with you. And I want for those who don't know your background and, and origin story on the creative side, and then, of course, your entree into the NFT space as well. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, yes, yeah, so like by trade, um, my role is a publishing A&R, group, as you said. And I've been in the music industry since about 2009. So a little over a decade from running everything from PR to artist management to in the last few years doing everything from leading hip hop and African music playlist curation at YouTube Music to being the experiential music manager at Budweiser to being a music journalist, person lodge at St. Huron. Um, and I just really pride myself of really being really great at finding artists early and championing them early. So at YouTube, um, a lot of my role was working directly with artists like Lizzo and Burna Boy and Little Tekka, Megan Thee Stallion, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, before often they even had the record deal supporting them. And I was doing that years before when I was an artist manager and a playlist curator. And then within the NFT space has been really exciting just because thankfully I was literally on the, kind of on the earlier side of getting on crypto. Um, I was mm-hmm. buying crypto in 2017, Ethereum, Bitcoin and Litecoin, but I didn't yeah. really understand blockchains at the time. And then in 2020, uh, around the summer of 2020, I got back into buying cryptocurrency and then also through the leadership of people like Lady Fee and mm-hmm. a lot of the early in the clubhouse community, as well as people doing live streams and platforms like YouTube, mm-hmm. um, I learned more about social tokens, NFTs, different blockchains, whether it's Chainlink and Polygon, et cetera. And I really just kind of beyond just, you know, being a music executive, kind of helped myself become like a Web3 world builder mm-hmm. and really with the mission of like pushing culture left to center across the diaspora and on the continent. Um, and tangential to being a full-time publishing in our, I'm also um, the founder of the Blurred Lines community, which has its same mission of pushing culture left to center, which has been featured in that billboard article you referred mm-hmm. to. But also when I was featured in Nylon Magazine in September 2021. So um, I'm just really trying to connect the same missions of amplifying Black voices, whether it's as a publishing A&R at a major indie company, as a community builder with Blurred Lines, and then also when it comes to consulting with brands and creatives directly to make moments in the blockchain and to do world building in the Web3 space. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful and such a rich and diverse background that has led to what you're doing now. And I want to take a slight step backwards to make sure that people understand a day in the life of A&R. One, I'm pretty sure that most people don't even know what it really stands for, but it's a really important part of engaging artists, as you said, early to do certain things to prepare them for success for whatever the deal is. And so talk a bit about what the A&R life looks like. Certainly. And as you said, A&R stands for Arts and Repertoire. So if you mm-hmm. ever want to know, it's not Arts Relations, it's Repertoire. <laughs> 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 um I know, I know people often like get confused. Um, and yeah, basically publishing A&R is different than A&R that you would do at a record label mm-hmm. or distribution company or artist management. Um, publishing A&R, overall publishing is about for artists who collect their mechanical royalties and get their money, whether it's from playing on serious radio to getting their music played in an episode of Insecure 
for mm-hmm. TV ads to make sure you're in Spotify streams and other DSPs, getting the money that you earn globally. That's like the first nuts and bolts. Um, you know, you might not interact with the A&R at all, but if you sign a publishing deal, that is their job to make sure you're properly collecting your money and getting paid at the right amount of time. By as an A&R and publishing at Secretly Group, um, my mission really is about, you know, at an indie label, really helping bring more diverse voices um, not just racially, but also genre, and then also mm-hmm. geographically. So I work with artists like Lady Donnelly, who's based in Nigeria. I work with Hawaii Mighty, who's based outside of Toronto and Brampton, Canada, as well as working with American artists like Namdi, who's based in Chicago, Mwami, who's based in Uganda, Kampala, Uganda, mm-hmm. um, and other yeah. artists. And it's really about artists that are really will be at home at an indie spot that, you know, might be kind of like the way that Tyler, the creator, was on an indie label before he was on Columbia Records. Right. The fact that, like, you know, I think artists like, you know, FKA Twigs is inspired a lot of people and she's on an indie label and realizing, like, historically, that's a thing, as well as when it comes to independent artists, that my own musical journey of, like, loving artists like Santa Gold and things like that, their <laughs> big mainstream moment often was when they were synced in a commercial um, or in a TV show and realizing that, um, when it comes to Black creatives, no matter what genre they are, they can uh, have an additional revenue stream from Sync, as well right. as maybe have that breakout moment because they were used in a TV show or a film and it was Shazammed and things like that. So mm-hmm. my day-to-day is basically working directly with these artists that I've signed um, this past year. Um, I've signed, I believe, 11 artists since I've been here for a little over two years and helping them, you know, get things called briefs from music supervisors, write original compositions, as well as collaborate with other artists and bring their, you know, their special sauce um, right. to help them make great songs because in other spaces, um, public deals are for writers or producers. Right. I believe that, you know, the next Grammy winning singer songwriter is like, could be our favorite artists. A lot of my favorite black artists, whether it's, you know, Dev Hines or others, um, they have a musical career, but their mm-hmm. biggest wins happen um, working with someone like a Solange or a Carly Rae Jepsen. And I want to help artists have those moments too. So that's kind of my day to day, as well as like my overall um, mission that I'm really grateful that I've been able to execute the last two years at Secret Group. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. That's fantastic because when I think about, you know, when I think about music copyright and the difference between just performing and songwriting and the longevity that you can have, a lot of times people don't even know your name, right? But you have such impact or it makes me think of the Dolly Partons in the world. It's like, yes, Whitney, may she rest in peace. Please keep singing this song because the performance of it is one thing, but the gold is really on the pub side. And so it makes me think of the opportunities, certainly for mainstream artists, but also independent artists in this new technology that allows people to leverage their intellectual property generally, but copyright specifically in this new medium. Talk to us about what 
intrigues you and excites you about the technology that can really empower artists to have a completely new revenue stream? I, I think it's really great. You know, I think a lot of the conversation in the music NFT world is based off of, you know, selling albums and packaging them as NFTs, as well as uh, what artists like Jock Green did by selling music and then giving away the publishing. But to answer your question about what excites me, I really excites me about working with artists who already have their own communities mm-hmm. and selling NFTs is a way to like mint moments in the blockchain. Um, mm. Selling NFTs the way that, for example, when I saw Megan Thee Stallion's concert in 2018, you know, this is way before she signed to 300. This is before labels were bringing her in, but I was a fan and she played at a really small venue. And the idea that just like there's platforms like Poop, like if Megan made her own NFT, and right. that gave me access to that concert. Um, what would all the fans get if she intentionally did, you know, airdrops? If she intentionally provided utility to that one NFT or airdrops in the three years since then? And that's what really excites me is to work with artists that have already built their community, have already mm-hmm. kind of found their voice and really how to build out a world. Um, and ultimately my goal is to really create Creator focus Web3 economies, Web3 mm-hmm. ecosystems, where by you having that NFT gives you access to all the amazing things they're doing, whether it's concerts, whether it's making merchandise, it was making their own clothing line, whether right. it is, you know, if they're self-produced and learning how to produce just like them, if they know how to do album art, learn how to learn Canva better than I can, <laughs> and do all to really do amazing world building that I think a lot of creatives are capable of and extend it to the point that cash fiat is great. But at the same time, I believe that early adopter fans, tastemakers, there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of cultural value that right now, I don't think we're really amplifying that yet. And using NFTs and social tokens to give back to those early fans and to, in the same way that like, if you became a Megan Thee Stallion fan in 2018, if you could have got 100 Megan coin, um, right amazing things that you can do with that Megan coin that relates to all the great things she's done in her career. Um, as well as, you know, extending that out to the metaverse as someone who's at YouTube working, you know, with, you know, international musicians like Burna Boy to now as a publishing and AR working with artists based in Nigeria and Uganda and Canada, like Lady Donnelly, Asukomo, Wami and them. The idea that often, you know, the person's biggest fan, they might never see them live, whether right. It is a person who's based in Kenya and their favorite artist is in Atlanta, or if someone's in Atlanta and their favorite artist is Kenya, <laughs> you know, you uh, might never see them live. And I experienced that a lot growing up as a music fan, listening to a lot of music from the UK and West Africa and South Africa. And if we go to the metaverse and we create experiences there and we help people do world building there, you know, our little avatars can all dance and party and hang <laughs> out just like this past, you know, year and a half on platforms like, Twitter spaces, clubhouse, airtime, things like that. Do you think that the pandemic has accelerated the adoption, not just accelerated the adoption, but the highlighted the uses that are no longer use cases? We were talking about use cases and potential from metaverses and all sorts of other ways to leverage the technology in the digital environment, generally in the blockchain environment specifically. But it seems like the the pandemic has accelerated it. When I look at the numbers of NFT 
creation and and the buying and the, the trading or flipping as well, this exponential increase like Q4 of 2020 and then now the beginning of 2021 and beyond. What are your thoughts on just the current state of the world and the impact of the pandemic on, on adoption? Yeah, I, I think I think it's two things. A lot of people have been able to lean into this space just because unfortunately everyone was not able to maintain the employment they might've had in the top of 2020 mm-hmm. or 2019. And because of just not having that same schedule it allowed people to lean into this. And thankfully, um, some people, whether if you're a visual artist or a creative of some sort who sold NFTs, or if they're a collector who was really you know, discerning and bought a great piece and they sold it, um, a lot of people, maybe they did not return to the type of employment they did before because they were mm-hmm. able to financially sustain themselves from that. And I think that if it was not from the pandemic, I don't think a lot of people would be able to dedicate the amount of time whether it's, you know, because they were working from home and they didn't have to worry about commuting or the fact that instead of leaving the office for their lunch break, they hopped in on a Twitter space. I think that like the amount of time people really accelerated this as well as the idea that people kind of turn lemons into lemonade and, you know, might not have had the type of employment or especially for people in the music community, um, not being able to tour and looking for mm-hmm. a sense of community they didn't have before. It really encouraged us to come together on different, you know, community building platforms, as well as a lot of projects kind of gave us the community that we didn't have before. Like I'm a owner of a lot of blue chip projects like Board Ape, mm-hmm. Cool Cats, um, yes. Subducks, um, and then I also have fractional ownerships of CryptoPunks thanks to the Party DAO. So nice. just by being with those communities, it really helps me connect with a lot of like-minded that I might not have known ever before. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. There's a more cost-effective and time-efficient way to reach your leading-edge learning and earning goals, to put you ahead of the stiff competition in this fast-paced, tech-driven economy. You need skills, credentials, and a fast track to a competitive advantage. You need it now more than ever, and I can help. The Advantage Evans Method puts you ahead of the curve with condensed comprehensive online courses, curated content to leverage your current skills and expertise, live coaching, networking opportunities, and more. Upcoming courses include From Cash to Crypto to help you buy your first Bitcoin, and there are two ways to get your advantage. Advantage Evans Encore gives you maximum experience for your total competitive advantage and access for one year. It includes a live welcome and modules on terminology, buying and selling, exchanges, mining, earning crypto, trading and investing, and also several of the legal issues you need to know in order to be safe and secure as you enter this space. That includes tax compliance, how to plan for a Bitcoin estate, and securities laws to make sure you avoid any legal unforced errors. Now, Advantage Core gives you the essentials. It's a short course to give you what you want and the support you need to buy your first crypto in as little as three weeks with access to the information and replays for three months. And if you're not quite ready for your Advantage and want a sneak peek to try before you buy, then register for a free masterclass where I share my Crypto 101 success checklist and cover current hot topics in crypto. 
So there truly is something for everyone, including you, to get in on the fast track and learn and earn in the digital economy. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get started. That's AdvantageEvans.com. And now, back to the conversation. Community is really important, and we see that just the, the richness of the community of the NFT space in general. When I think of creativity, collectibles, to a lesser extent gaming, but the gaming industry often is a front runner with all these new technologies, frankly, right? And in some sense, that is the case here, but we see collectibles and experience, which is something you continue to come back to. And so I want to talk about that as well, because experience continues to fuel, I should say, and nurture this idea of community. So talk about fan engagement and the benefits of using this technology, using NFTs, regardless of platform, right? We have all these new platforms. We started in the Ethereum realm, but we Cardano, Solana, all these other platforms, how the community is connected to this entire idea. Yeah, I think the idea is a lot of platforms like Discord, Twitter Spaces, Clubhouse, Airtime, a lot of these are places where people are coming together to discuss one common thing. And I think people mm-hmm. come from different parts of the world, different types of backgrounds, different types of skill sets. But if they all buy Afrojoid or a board ape, they all have that in common. And I don't, right. and I think it kind of makes me think about when you're a fan, right? You come from any area of life. You might have, I live in New York, so someone might have drove in from Connecticut because Rema had a concert and he's not going to have a show in Connecticut, but he's going to be in New York. And you're all in that room and you all feel connected. And that's mm-hmm. another reason why I really kept space because I know what it feels like that when you're in a room, especially as someone who's known for supporting and being a fan of early artists, when you show up to a venue and the room's 100, 200 capacity, you really feel in alignment with every single person in that room. Because right. it's not you're not there because they had a billboard in Times Square. You're not right. there because Highway 7 said there. You're not there because straight gave them a cosign. You're there because you're a big fan and you want to support them. And that's why you're putting your physical existence, but also your money there. And I think I think there's a lot of similarities in the NFT space. And I think musicians, creators of all backgrounds and just thought leaders in general, I think this is a great opportunity to really corral the people who don't even already know you, but share a lot of the same values mm-hmm. um, or have goals of doing the same things as you. And using like the digital token, a digital item to that is how you all feel connected. The same with it, like, okay, we all have this ticket. We're all in the same space. Um, But the good thing is we can show up at different times, different places. And if the community does things really well, like Board 8, like literally uh, it's in the beginning of November, we're going to have a bunch of parties and a lot of things we're going to hang out. And I bought my Board 8 in May. So the idea that you know, literally six months later, a gut feeling that I this was a great investment for myself, by far the biggest investment I've ever done besides like paying rent. Right, <laughs> um, right, that part. <laughs> yeah, and six months later, not only is it a blue chip project, but it's helped me learn a lot about entrepreneurship. It's helped me believe in really creating brands for myself in a way that I've never thought before. It's really, mm-hmm. really, which you will love, it's really helped me believe in the possibilities of licensing. And someone like me, my goal is not to sell my board aid. My goal is right. to make more than the current amount that it will cost to sell it. 
and licensing deals and partnership. And that's mm-hmm. why I talk to record labels. That's why I talk to peers at like CPG brands um, because that's my goal to license it and to the brand that I'm developing my asset, my NFT. I want that to be worth more than the current NFT. And I think that's a lot of empowerment that if you can build community and you also give them autonomy in themselves, you can really empower people as well as bring them together at the same time. And I've never experienced that before being an NFT fan. You know, I'm, I'm a, I love Beyonce, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't know how to um, amplify that. You know what I mean? But I right. definitely know what I could do in the asses of my NFTs. That's really powerful because it shows that not only is there extraordinary value, obviously, as a matter of a bottom line, but just also culturally, the side of the shop that focuses on creativity, but in leveraging that creativity because it's taxed as property. And you have the advantage of the upside of capital gains and obviously the losses. But it's, you know, fiat is completely different. The currency that because of inflation, you live in the same place every year, but the rent goes up. Same place costs more. Right. It costs you more. But on the other side of that, if you own, you're creating NFTs and continuing to participate in downstream revenues, you get the upside if you never sell as well. I love how you're focusing on the sum of the parts as being greater than the whole. Like a good example about the Board Ape, once again, is, you know, if they have five days of programming, one is to Board Ape Yacht Club is literally a party in the boat they're doing. And imagine how much it would cost to buy a ticket to go in a boat. Imagine if it's an event that's open bar and there's food, as well as they're having a concert, you know, type of party. If you added all those things together, now it's not worth more than the current price for a Board Ape. But at the same time, if they continue to do this in the next three years, you know, the next 10 years, that's going to be worth more than the price Absolutely. of the NFT right now, the floor price, the cheapest price, as we call it. And I think that's what I hope all creators think of like, okay, let's create utility. Let's create use cases for my community that the NFT, someone might be able to buy it on a platform called OpenSea or another one for let's say 100 USD, but you can create experiences that if you kind of all tally that up, it's worth way more than 100 USD, not in like a, what did it personally impact you? Literally, if you bought that concert ticket, if you got into five concerts over the course of two years, those concert mm-hmm. tickets are going to all add to more than $100. And that's what I'm really excited about that. Because the thing is, if you do that for the early supporters, like it's the Genesis project or the first of a series, mm-hmm. okay, maybe that's only 10 people, 100 people that get a thousand dollar value for something that costs $100 to mint to first, you know, initially buy. And everyone else has to, you know, spend the actual normal amount of money, but okay, that's a good investment because the same way that, you know, when you go to Madison Square Garden, you still have someone's day one's fans there. And the idea is like the people who really care for you is kind of having their back. And I've never, never really seen an ecosystem that could really um, facilitate that before if that's a priority. What are some of the pitfalls that artists should be aware of with their moving into this space? See, you know, some of the things that hit my inbox on a regular basis, someone has misappropriated someone's art, either in music form, visual art, you name it. And and I know that you've seen it too. And they create an NFT of it and that becomes a whole situation. Let's start here. What are some of the pitfalls and cautionary tales that artists should be aware of? And then we'll talk about some solutions. Yeah. And I, and I think I'm glad you said solutions, because I think it's both. Right. I like thinking of minting an NFT 
is announcing your concert tickets are going on sale. And when you sell it, that's the sold out concert. Mm-hmm. So the idea is not that if your NFT doesn't sell for in the first hour or week that right. you're a failure. Same way, if you have a, a thousand, if you're playing Madison Square Garden, if you don't sell it out in the first 10 minutes, you're not a failure for not selling it out Madison Square Garden. I think right. it's the same way if you're doing the process of building a community. And I think the biggest pitfall, I think a lot of creators who are making their first NFTs or even several is thinking that the goal is to, you know, hit the reserve price right. or to sell it. And if you did that, you check the box and you can move on and go on with your life because you've, you know, got all these riches. I think even if you make that sell in 10 minutes, I, to me, having a mentality is still a pitfall that I feel like people should not only focus on. I think the goal is, okay, if you, whoever bought the NFT, is it a collector? Right. Is it a fan? I think the solution would be to really connect with that person, you know, support that person, um, look in their wallet. What else do they have? The mm-hmm. same way. Um, every musician should know their target audience. They should know their fan base. If I listen to someone's music, I should say, okay, what playlist like would you ideally be on? And don't say that's new music. Like, literally, like, <laughs> sonically, which one is similar to it, you know, in a realistic sense. And I think the same thing for any artist. If I said you're making an NFT, like, okay, in the entire community, who do you think will be, like, your ideal collector? Whose wallet right. would you love to have an NFT in one day? Don't say Gary Vee because he's phenomenal. Like, mm. say a person that is really known for that. For me, it's going to be something that has to do with use cases. That's something that is going to maybe connect to the metaverse. It might be a composable because mm. that's what's in my wallet right now. Or it's going to be something that's going to have, you know, a 3D avatar or maybe a VR filter or a vibrant community that is going to have longevity for way over two months. And I think a pitfall is I think a lot of people just, they sell it and that's the win when they really right. should have an idea collector not just a collector not anyone who has ETH, not the biggest sale but the idea that like okay if you have a great collector who's amplifying you might sell that nft for 0.1 ETH, but at the same time if you continue to do other drops or they can support you with licensing deals right, right. They can, like, like my big you can sell it to them for 0.1 ETH, but at the same time they can say hey i'm going to license this and you know i want you to be part of like this deal and that can be worth, you know, more than 10,000 USD, you know, right. or, or the um, 10, that 10 ETH, which is like a big deal in the NFT community, have something that's 10 ETH, like, you know, things like that. And really thinking outside of that contract of like, just the sale. It's not just like about the ticket going on sale, the tickets going on sale, the first concert. It's about, okay, how do I sell out the venue? How right. do I really make it big? How do I make this the kickoff of me really creating, being a world building creative? I love how you identified, you reminded me of something that's really an important part of blockchain technology, at least for the chains that are pure in terms of being public and permissionless, right? They're public facing. You can actually click on the address or go to, if we're in the Ethereum environment, etherscan.io, you drop in the address and, and see what people are collecting, right? You click on the little tab, ERC721, and you can actually see a list that transparency is completely absent from the existing entertainment world. And so the transparency plus the access, obviously that has huge impact on the financial side and real impact as you have just identified on the the creativity side. So thank you for that. And another point I want to amplify is 
identifying or distinguishing the collector from the investor. We have many people, a lot of whales really from the crypto side coming in to just dabble because what on earth are we going to do with all this crypto? I guess we'll buy the things, right? And But they're looking to flip and that's fine. It's not a judgment, but it is an acknowledgement of something that happens in the existing art world as well. But more so, I feel in this space because of the easy access and the ability to buy something and quickly list it, the liquidity in the market that you get to reach people you'd never get to reach before. So that can, I guess, be a cautionary tale, but also a note of empowerment as well. The opportunity to reach beyond, you know, it's borderless. Right. You can sell something in the States or Ghana, vice versa. And so those are really powerful things that I hope that artists are focused on and collectors and, and investors, too. Oh, so much good stuff. Yeah, really quick. I mean, it reminds it has a lot of parallels with my you know, job as an A&R. Mm. Um, like, as I said previously, I was a playlist curator at a streaming service. And, you know, before I had the job, I was making playlists at the job. I made playlists. And now that I'm an A&R, <laughs> no longer a playlist creator, I still make playlists for fun. And it's a really great reflection of my personal taste, as well as my community blur lines. Every single Friday, we curate a new Music Friday playlist. And every single Saturday, we curate a playlist of music new and old for members of the community coming together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the type of communities that I'm building, what does that center, left of center Black music, and then also my personal playlist. If anyone, you know, says, oh, I would love to, you know, have Melanie be my A&R at Secretly Group and publishing mm-hmm. It's really, really out in the open when I'm into it. It's very, very, very apparent. You know, like the Blur Line Twitter account all day long. I'm amplifying artists that I love, like Pink Pantheris and Amare and, you know, Arlo Parks and Denzel Curry, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, very clear. And if you look at my playlist, you know, if I have my Songs of Summer playlist or, you know, it's a new emerging trend that's you know, coming out of the UK, Afro swing music, or mm-hmm. whether UK, you know, R&B infused with jazz, like, it's really, really public facing, just like the ether scan. Right. And yet, every day, I get emails, intros, and it's people who just do not align at all what I'm focusing on, right? right. It doesn't align with the music of my artists like Havaya Mighty, and Namdi, and Asipomo, and Lady Donnelly. The same way that if someone looks in my wallet, they can see I had, you know, and like look at the ERC 721 of my ethersand. You can see I had a BYOP. You can see I have a board ape. You can see I have a lost boy. You can see I have an Afro droid, um, mm. you know, on this line of blockchain. It's all very public. And I think we need to stop kind of stopping about our own personal prerogatives and think about, you know, fans, community, collectors, and what are they into? And kind right. of see there's some similarities. Is there a pattern? Is is the fact that Melanie had FWB tokens in in February? Let me let me look at this collector. How did she get FWB tokens in February? You know, I know it. The project peaked in the in the fall. Like what? Mm. Oh, okay. So she's already in the music community. Oh, okay. So um, she's she's not. You know, she docks herself. She knows she. I know mm. she lives in Brooklyn, but she does a lot of public facing you know panels and speaking at conferences. So. It makes sense that she'll be in a community that folks on music's people and a lot of people on the coast. All of this all aligns. Therefore, maybe I won't be the best project, but I want to talk to her. So I'm going to, you know, DM her and ask her about, you know, Feltzine and say, right. hey, you know, the Feltzine project is coming soon. And I'll say, oh, my God, I love Feltzine. Dev and them are amazing. I can't wait to put upcoming NFT. And I'll be happy for that conversation. And I think a lot of times people just DM and say, I love your thoughts on my project or 
chilling <laughs> or building something and tell me what you think while yes it takes a little bit of the time but at the same time as everything in life to do well it takes a little bit of work look it's about d-y-o-r we talk about it on the financial side and you want me to show up if you want melanie to show up and really engage you have to do your own homework i can't do my homework and yours so there is a responsibility wow. right there's more information available to us than at any other time in the history of humankind as we know it do the work. The rewards will be excellent, but help us help you, I think is, is, is exactly. a, a, <laughs> tell people, yeah. speaking of which, I'm realizing that I've kept you over and I want to lovingly release you back to your very busy life. Any parting words that you want to share and then definitely, and I will include it in the show notes as well, but ways that folks can engage with you and in your work. Yes. I mean, the parting words I would say is, you know, just when you are creating community, just make sure that, you know, you're having diverse voices, not from the idea of checking a box, but realizing that if you're not having diversity, whether geographic, race, gender identity, sexuality, whatever it might be, you're not getting the best of everything. The same way that like, you know, I might, you know, I love Italian food, but if I only know Italian food, I would not know the like the beauties of Peruvian food. Right. And, you know, the different things they use and things like that, or, you know, the beauties, things like that. And, you know, you honestly might not even what you might consider the best of, you know, music NFTs, right? If you're not including people like, you know, Latasha in there Absolutely. or other people, or if you're talking about photography, you're not talking about people like Raven, or if you're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, profile pictures and PFPs and collectibles, and you're not talking about long necky ladies and Afro joids yes. and Afro bubble, like you're really not getting the full landscape because there's a lot of great things by a lot of types of people but it's a lot of great artwork that's being made and other types of collectibles and wearables and everything based by, you know, women of color, um, people in the continent and Africa, people of queer identities mm -hmm. um, that often is not in the forefront that I think is really, really important that we have to be mindful of that because they're doing some of the great things and a lot of great visionaries like Amir in this space. Um, there's a lot of collectors. My first time in the metaverse was because of one off. And if it was mm -hmm. for them, I, it would, it's taking me a long time to get into crypto boxes. So that's my biggest parting words, just making sure that you are intentional about not just tweeting, do you know any women or we need some black voices <laughs> stepping up. And, you know, you know, if you hear one name, go into their community, spend a lot of time in the black NFT art community, spend a lot of time in the African NFT community groups, you know, spend a lot of times in, you know, communities on different social media platforms that have nothing to do with NFTs at all or crypto at all. And it just center on, you know, Afro pop music, or they just center around hip hop and right. see what are their reference points in this space, you know, and do that because you're not getting the full scope. You're not knowing the best. You're not knowing the most innovative things until you take the time to do that. That's beautiful. It's a great place to leave it. And definitely shout out to Latasha. This most recent drop was epic. So proud of her. For sure. We're going to get her on Tech Intersect at a certain point. She, she needs to go sit down somewhere and take a, a well-needed break. <laughs> but when she, she reemerges, we, uh, we're going to love to have her on the yeah. show. And one thing I always mention just about the journey and why I say the moments in the blockchain thing is when I wrote for St. Haran, I wrote about Latasha back in like 2014 or so. Mm -hmm. So I firsthand have seen her journey, seen her, you know, as someone who lives in Brooklyn, seen her perform at venues at Brooklyn Museum for First Fridays and things like that. So like, 
really, really realizing that a lot of the people who are doing well, it is not over net. That's right. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And now, like, they kind of found the right ecosystem for them to thrive. And that's the thing is, like, the same way that someone might not have known about, you know, a very popular artist like Blau before this year, if they're not in the music space, the same way that you might not have known about Latasha, but both artists are people who've been putting, Blau and Latasha, been putting the hard work a long time. And, yes, maybe Latasha hasn't sold as many million as Blau, but at the same time, the way the community is shaped right now, we really need to amplify these diverse voices, especially when it comes to a lot of NFT projects that, you know, might use um, offensive ways of using Black people or Asian people as mm-hmm. not always reflecting our real identities and realizing that, okay, if this is happening, that's indicative of, of like, these communities are not on these dev teams and not on these project teams or not in these DAOs. So let's make sure that we include more women's voices, more Asian voices, more Black voices, not for a diversity checkbox, but the idea that the traits of these NFTs are making it really apparent that these communities are not in these conversations. They're not getting amplified enough and we're not talking about the great things they're doing every single day. Well said. How can people engage with you and your work? Is it Twitter the best place? Where shall people find yes. you? Um, I'm really active, you know, um, on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is M-E-L-K-N-E-E. My name is Melanie. My handle is Melanie, <laughs> like your name, <laughs> body Melanie across platforms, um, you know, every social media platform, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, Airtime, whatever it is I use. Twitter, um, I use Melanie all on those platforms. Also, I, um, if you want to send me a gift, if you want to send me some Ethereum for this Let's great go. podcast, <laughs> Melanie.e, that's the place to do that as well. <laughs> um, and then also the community that I've built is called Blurred Lines, which censors left the center black voices across the continent and in the diaspora. And if you want to send me music, you can email me at sendmelmusic at gmail.com. Um, I'm always happy to receive music, especially if it aligns with my values or to talk about, you know, ways that we can do web three role building. Excellent. Now don't go sending her just any old thing. Will you please D-Y-O-R, figure it out, her aesthetic, her focus, her point of view, and then you email her and you'll, I think you'll get a better response. <laughs> Other than that, but we'll she's send you back. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie, it's a pleasure. I adore you. And I look forward to nation building with you as we continue to go forward. You know where I live in those Twitter streets. So please let's continue to dialogue. I definitely want to have you on in the future. If there's anything exciting that you want to share, consider this your home. And I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you. I just really appreciate that. A big part of my journey in the space this past year is not only listening to you provide advice, not only you doing webinars, you know, off the clubhouse streets, but also, you know, you really documenting all these significant people, these significant moments. So we can look back now, literally been a year from now, as right. well as um, in three years. So I'm really, really grateful that you're documenting this point in history because I love the, you know, the conversations on social media platforms. But we need people like you to really, really kind of um, etch that moment in time. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for allowing me to be part of that. Wow. Thank you, Melanie, for blessing the Tech Intersect family with this convo about your intriguing journey into and through the wild, wonderful world of music and why now is the time for musical artists to follow the leaders in the NFT space like Trailblazer Latasha and commit to doing your research and taking ownership and control over your intellectual property 
in a way that centers historically marginalized artists and the power position of ownership in this new creative landscape because the future of creativity is now. Okay, before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social media and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.